With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we are joined by University of Florida, All-American in both singles and doubles during the 2020 season, and one of the top American male players of his generation, Sam Riffis, to talk about his 2020 season, what it was like for him uh, to experience the cancellation due to COVID-19, especially for his Gators team, who certainly over the past two years have been as talented, if not more talented, uh, than any other team in the men's college tennis division one game throughout the country. And I mean, you look at the lineup. Of course, on Tuesday, we talked to the number one singles player, his fellow All-American in singles and doubles partner, Oliver Crawford. Guys like Oliver, Alfredo Perez, who is number one in the country, Johannes Inglidson, Andrade, Vale, Goodger, Lucas Greif, and more. Uh, that team was just loaded with talent. And so I wanted to ask Sam what it's like to play on a team like that, how competitive the practices get, how difficult it is to compete for a spot in the lineup. And, you know, for Sam, obviously, being a highly touted recruit, being one of the top kids in the nation, uh, certainly he was a guy who was probably always going to play. But as a team, how do they balance, you know, the natural instincts to be competitive with one another over things such as playing time, right? Because all of these players are so good. They all want to play. They all want to show their skills, continue to develop. Uh, But there are only six spots in a college tennis lineup. And so he talks about what it takes behind the scenes to build the sort of chemistry, to build the sort of of camaraderie that allows you to have both success on the court, uh, but, you know, also remain close off of it as well. I also talk about, you know, why he made the decision to attend Florida. Certainly, he had a lot of schools available to him, uh, what it was like for him to make the decision to go and train at the USTA and, you know, growing up in that environment, you know, what sort of things he maybe thinks he missed out on or what are the things he enjoyed about living in that atmosphere. Uh, Of course, I also talked to him about the pro successes he he's had as well, how he thinks his game translates, why, you know, he continues to come back to college tennis, how he thinks he can develop there. Uh, Then we have some fun, of course, at the expense of his teammates, at the expense of some stories, some background research I did on him, and so much more. I mean, Sam's a great guy, really nice kid. Again, the sort of guy you want as the face of college tennis, and, you know, certainly over the next two years, if he stays for both, he will be one of the best players in the nation, and so, you know, it, it was a great conversation. I know all All of you listeners will certainly enjoy it. Before I get to that conversation, I have to let you all know that these sort of conversations are made possible here on this podcast day in, day out because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports. Now, you know the deal by now. Midwest Sports is one of the world's premier tennis equipment suppliers because they've got the comprehensive selection of fast shipping tennis supplies that few retailers can match. They've got everything you could want in their inventory. They've got experts on the line who can talk you through the sort of products you 
you need. They can have the experts online to talk to you through about maybe the adjustments you need to make moving forward. Certainly the conversation I, the conversations I've had with product manager uh, Dave Limke of Midwest Sports uh, has helped me realize that there are things I wasn't doing with my tennis equipment that I probably should have been that would help me get that extra 5-10% out of my game that I need now uh, more than ever. But I will say this, you know, their selections of tennis equipment are consistently first to market and they pride themselves in stocking their tennis warehouse with the newest products at the lowest prices. And you can find all of those products, all of those prices by going to their website, MidwestSports.com. Now to make things even better for you Cracked Rackets fans, they're going to offer you an additional 15% off if you use our promo code CR15. Not only will you get that, you'll get free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75 and you'll get a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls thrown in there as well because Midwest Sports wants to ensure that you have everything you need to make your return to the tennis court a success. So go to MidwestSports.com, use that promo code CR15, get 15% off all of your tennis supply needs. Also, you know, from the nutritional aspect, maybe the one thing not offered at MidwestSports.com, just an energy bar, something you can get on the court to make yourself feeling well to help bring out your best performance. The good news for you, uh, our friends at Aerobar have you covered. You're going to go to Aerobar.com, realize how great their product is, and you're going to want to order yourself up some bars. Now, you can do that by using our promo code CRACKED15 and get an additional 15% off. And I'll say this, if it's good enough for James Blake, Michael Russell, Jay Berger, you know, Marty Fish, John Isner, Stevie Johnson, Bjorn Fertangelo, all of these players have bought into Aerobar. Uh, certainly, you can as well. It tastes good. It's going to make you feel good. It's going to make you play good. It's the three G's, as we like to call it here at Cracked Rackets, and all of them will be hit. So go to aerobar.com, use that promo code CRACKED15, let them know that we sent you there. All right, with that being said, let's get to my interview with All-American in both singles and doubles during the 2020 ITA Division I men's tennis season, the University of Florida's Sam Riffis. Joining us on the Cracked Interviews podcast today, he became the first Gator since 1992 to reach the IT All-American singles final this year. He was just the seventh true freshman at Florida to earn All-American status and one of seven guys to receive All-American status in both singles and doubles during the 2020 Division I men's season. Sam Riffis, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on. Uh Oh, it is absolutely our pleasure. And that's got to be pretty cool, right? One of seven guys to receive All-Americans in uh, status in both singles and doubles. Not a bad way to shake up your quarantine. Yeah, I mean, there's so many great guys playing this season. I was pretty surprised I got it in doubles. I don't really know how that happened, but uh, uh, I'm not mad about it. Yeah, no, you'll take it, right? Absolutely. Um, And I'm curious for you, let's start again with the less fun question, but obviously uh, you're in the middle of your season. I think you guys were 14-3 and when you get the news that the year is going to be canceled due to the coronavirus pandemic. I'm curious, you know, what was it like for you when you found out the news and can you talk us through, you know, what those next few days were like as well? Yeah, I mean, that was a really weird time because we were getting ready to play two really big home matches, I think, against uh, Georgia on Friday night and then Sunday against Tennessee. 
and it was like Wednesday when we heard those matches were going to be canceled. And then we were all pretty upset about that. And then Thursday or Friday, we heard the whole season's canceled. So, I mean, a lot happened in at those few days. Um, I mean, we were all pretty shook up because uh, we had two guys that it was their last year. We thought Johannes and Oliver. So, I mean, it was pretty pretty tough times thinking we weren't going to have another match with those guys. Uh, I think that's what we were all thinking about the most, just kind of losing that opportunity to play with those guys. So interesting. You knew this was going to be Oliver's last season beforehand? Yeah, he, he told us all uh, right before, I mean, in early January, and he told the coaches he just wanted to let us know before the season started so there wasn't any surprises at the end of the year. But, I mean, he's he's very forthcoming with everything, and we talked about it a lot. So he, he, he let us all know beforehand. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but, you know, for you in particular, because you were a sophomore this year and, you know, you'll still have the chance to compete, but just going through something like that, is it more the uncertainty? You know, what's the most difficult parts? How hard was it for you to even, you know, get home and how have you been staying in contact with your teammates? Uh, luckily for me, I, at Florida, I live two hours from there in Orlando, so it was pretty easy for me to get home, but a lot of my guys are or a lot of the guys on the team are from another country. So it was really uncertain for them. And I felt bad for them because they weren't sure what was going on, but I was lucky to live so close. And, uh, I mean, I, I came home that weekend actually, and I haven't been back to school since. Mm-hmm. And you've just been, I mean, how is your quarantine been? I imagine it's obviously weird for all of us, but what have you been doing to stay training, stay in shape? Uh, I'm pretty lucky. I, I have courts in my neighborhood that, there's six clay courts that are literally right across the street from me. So I've, I've been hitting almost every day um, with my mom or there's a couple of guys here that we've been hitting a couple times a week, uh, like Mackie and Bjorn Fotangelo hit with them a couple of times. And then my girlfriend, uh, CC Bellis, I've been hitting with her a bunch too. She lives here in uh, Lake Nona also. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty good group feels like yeah you guys are getting along pretty well that's uh that's cool to hear and I, i'm curious for you because i know you received all american status but just looking back at your season you guys were 14 and 3 and i know i'm sure for you guys a pretty disappointing loss for you to texas a&m right before the season ended you know is it bittersweet at all to get this sort of all american status i mean sure it's great but you know what are your feelings you know having that 2020 season robbed from you guys yeah, it was, it's brutal because, I mean, I only had one season, but in my opinion, the last month and a half or two months of the season are by far the best. It's when you play uh, your matches for the conference, and then you play the conference tournament, and then NCAAs. So, uh, I mean, that month and a half is really packed full of uh, really meaningful matches. So, missing out on that was pretty tough, especially how much training goes into the fall and the first month or so of January. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, how are you guys feeling about your season? Obviously, you know, the the big match to start the year at Texas doesn't go your way. But, uh, you know, how were you feeling about this year's rosters? Did you guys think you still had a chance absolutely to compete for a national title? Yeah, absolutely. We had some really good guys uh, that were playing. Yeah, the Texas, Texas and Texas A&M, those were two tough matches. But, um, I mean, what was really positive is that we won – uh, two out of three of our matches that indoors and I don't think Florida as a program has done that in a really long time if not ever we, we usually don't have the best indoor records and we went up and beat Illinois and Purdue 
Um, so I, I thought that was really positive for us, how much better we were playing indoors. And, I mean, anything could happen at NCAAs. So I, I thought our team was really dangerous. And I'm pretty bummed that we didn't get a chance to play in the tournament. Yeah, and when you found out that the NCAA was going to extend that year of eligibility to all of the seniors who had their seasons wiped away, obviously Oliver's leaving to go pro for other reasons, but knowing that you're going to get the guys back, does that, you know, provide any sort of, you know, back, uh, you know, any sort of, I suppose, relief knowing that you'll get to run it back with the same team if possible? Yeah, that was huge. I was so happy about that just because of how great of a guy Johannes is and how great of a career he's had. Um, to give him another opportunity to play and compete for a title. I thought that was terrific that the NCAA did that. Mm -hmm. And I do want to talk about your career, but to stick with Florida at first, because, you know, one through 10, something we always say when we talk college tennis here at Cracked Rackets is that if, you know, if there's 10 singles flights, you guys probably win running away, the sort of depth you guys have on your roster. But, you know, I, I guess, how is it more difficult sometimes when there you have a 10 guy roster 11 12 guy than when it's just you know six seven and you sort of know where everyone should play yeah i think that's one of the one of the toughest parts of our team i gotta hand it to coach sheldon it's it's not easy because i think a lot of our guys are equal level i mean everywhere in the lineup i i lose to a lot of the guys in practice i mean they could all really play and then so sometimes Coach Sheldon has to play guys at five and six, and he plays them for two matches, and then he rotates and put two other guys in. They haven't played a match in two weeks. So it's just tough to balance that because they're all so good. And, they, I mean, they would be playing at any lineup in the country because they're such a high level. So, I mean, that's a really tough part of our team. We have so many – we have such great depth. Yeah, and I'm curious for you guys this year, um, you know, just trying to figure out who plays where. And I think top four, you guys were pretty locked in, but five and six and doing that adjusting. You know, do you think that influenced your results early in the season? Was that something you guys struggled with? Uh, I mean, it's it's definitely tough in college matches just to figure out the right matchups because some guys play great against other guys. Some guys are better indoors, so. I think Coach uh, Shelton just did his best to figure out the, the matchups. And, um, I mean, some some days got, some guys were just playing better than others. So I, I don't think that hurt our chances at all because we lost. I mean, I lost matches at Texas A&M. Me and Oliver lost. Uh, we lost. We both lost against Texas. So I, I really don't think it was about the lower lineup. I think it was just some of those matches we didn't play our best tennis. Yeah, and I'm curious for you as someone who I believe was a captain last season as a freshman, also a captain this year as well, you know, how important is it? Because I can only imagine how competitive the practices get, but, you know, how do you manage to ensure that the chemistry for the team come match time is always locked in and solid? Yeah, we we definitely get into it in practice. Uh, it's it's pretty fun. It's, it's fun being out there, but, uh, I mean, we're all super close. Uh, I mean, we... Like next year, seven of us are living together. Uh, I mean, our, as teammates, I don't think there's any team that's closer than we are. So everyone just wants what's best for the team. So if one guy isn't playing and it's best for the team, he has no problem with it. Like everyone just goes out there and puts their heart out for the matches. And if they're not playing, but it's best for the team, it doesn't bother them, which is something that's great about our team. 
When we talked to Coach Shelton uh, before the season started, that was something he brought up as well, is how high the level of play is in practice. Uh, can you give us some insight into that? You know, what are you guys doing? Because, I mean, again, you have that many good tennis players in one place. I imagine things do get competitive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we compete a lot. We we do some drills, but a lot of it is turned into point play just because to get the competitive nature out, we do a lot of double stuff. It gets really heated in the doubles, but I mean, as soon as we're done with practice and we're back in the locker room, we're best friends, but on the court, I mean, <laughs> we're trying to win. Absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm curious because this past summer, uh, you had some success on the Futures Tour. You went out and won an event, I believe, in Wichita, and then you finaled the next week in Tulsa. And, you know, it's obviously been a year more of development since then. But I'm curious, you know, for you in practice day in and day out and in these past two years playing the number two singles position, how did the level of competition compare for you in college versus what you saw this year out on the Pro Tour? Uh, I mean, I think college is incredible that just the high level of matches you get every week. Like, I mean, after last season, I thought I was playing my best tennis going into the summer. So, I mean, it's incredible just how much I was able to work on because I was playing like two or three high level matches each week, luckily, because I was playing two or three in the lineup. And uh, going off that and feeding into the pro tennis was huge uh, because, I mean, in college with no ad, every point is super important. So I felt like I had like a higher level of intensity going into the summer. And also every match is super important in college. Like you lose one match and the season could take a huge turn. You could drop out of top 10. Whereas in pro tennis, you know, you lose a match. There's always another tournament. You play 35 tournaments a year. So I thought like each, each match felt uh, bigger for me going into yeah. pro tennis. Yeah, and uh, you you mentioned that. I'm curious. Is do you think the difference between pro tennis and college tennis is more mental or physical? Uh, I I don't think it's physical because the guys in college are very fit with how much you have to practice and play matches, and you do travel a lot. I think it's more mental, just dealing with the bigger stages in the pro tennis. Because I mean, it is a different environment. You're when you play futures, you're playing out in the middle of nowhere and there's one person watching whereas in college like we're super lucky at Florida our home matches are we have a great atmosphere and then you play all these huge matches with your teammates behind you so I think it is a big mental difference going to play uh, futures versus playing for a college team. Yeah, and I do want to ask you about some of those matches that you've played at Florida because I think you've had some fun ones in your first couple of years. But, you know, for you in particular, as someone, and for our listeners who don't know, um, who grew up at the UST, you know, you played in the USTA program and have been playing, you know, you were at the highest levels of junior tennis. You had played some pro tennis before going to college. Why was college tennis and the University of Florida ultimately the path for you? Uh, it was a couple of different reasons. Um, I I live in Orlando, so it's only two hours away. Uh, so that was a huge uh, factor, uh, staying close to home. Because if I went to school out in California, I wouldn't be able to come home very much, see my family and things. Um, and also, I really thought they had the best coaching staff working with Brian Shelton, uh, Tanner Stump, and Coach Perlman. So I thought uh, those two things combined. And also the academics, the really strong academic school. So I thought those things, working with the highest level coaches would be the thing that would help my game improve so I could play pro tennis. Um, but I 
yeah, probably the coaches is the most important thing why I chose to go to Florida. How enjoyable is the contrast in personalities between Brian and Tanner? Oh, it's great. I mean, uh, Coach Sheldon has a great sense of humor. All the coaches do. Um, He's super serious on the court. He's really knowledgeable. And then Tanner is, I mean, he's also incredibly knowledgeable, but he's the guy we can joke around a little bit more with. We go into his office and kind of talk to him. And uh, we have a lot of fun with Tanner. Yeah, he's a goofball. I just, I feel like he would be, a, I mean, I've gotten to see him in action. He's a good recruiter. I, I, I could yeah. see why. I could see the pitch he's making being uh, pretty convincing. And again, uh, for you, uh, you, you mentioned uh, your parents are in Florida, but going to USDA and getting involved in tennis, uh, it sounds like your parents got you, you know, first starting to play the sport. Yeah, uh, I was super lucky. My mom uh, was teaching tennis uh, when I lived in California. So I started playing tennis at like five or six with her. And then I just grew up on tennis court because I was always out there when she was teaching lessons or something. And then I just slowly transitioned into playing tournaments and then eventually going to work with USDA. Mm -hmm. And what ultimately led to you making that decision to go full-time to train at the USDA? Um, I mean, there's a lot of great tennis players in Northern California, but the area I lived in, Sacramento, it was like two hours from the Bay Area where the majority of the great players were from. So I just, I didn't get a lot of, um, consistent training where I lived and um, my mom was super busy with her work and everything so I thought moving to where all the best players in the country were there's where like Patrick Kipson, Johnny Ross, Steel Kirkhoff I was living with and training with all those guys and training with some great coaching staffs um, it just seemed like the best option to kind of get my tennis to the next level yeah, so I'm curious just to follow up on that being 15, 16, living with, you know, your group of peers who you're training with and being full time invested in the tennis. What is that process like for you? You know, what when you look back at it, what were some of the highlights and maybe some of the things you wish you could change? Uh, definitely the highlights were the trips I got to go on with USTA because when I was that age, I was I got to go down to like South America, Europe a bunch of times and travel and play tournaments, which is incredible to get to do now that I look back at it when I was like 15 or 16 just pretty much by myself with like one coach and a group of friends uh, that was pretty special um, maybe something that I wish I focused on a little more was schoolwork I definitely didn't put in as much effort in school when I was kind of eighth grade through high school because I was traveling and playing so much tennis and I ten- or school kind of wasn't my main priority at that time Mm-hmm. That's fair. You talk about getting the chance to travel with your friends. If I were to ask you about the detective in in Ecuador and Peru, what would you have to tell me about that? <laughs> oh, that was that was not the best experience. Looking back, it's pretty funny now, but when when I was there, that was that was a scary time. So, what exactly is the detective? I don't know the details. He was he was just an umpire that was really into everyone's business. Uh, off the court, off tennis stuff, and he was just kind of didn't like my my group with me and Johnny and Patrick and stuff, and uh, we just got in a little bit of trouble, and he took it into his own hands, and he thought he was a detective, so that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. What about, uh, I hear Patrick struggles with some spelling. The word drawer comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, Patrick, Patrick also... He was with me. We didn't focus too hard on school, but uh, he and that kind of he didn't spell words very well until he got to college. But 
he's doing better now. He's improved now. Yeah, and I've also heard that you've been kicked out of practice once or twice, and that uh, that occasionally it, it became a little bit funny. <laughs> yeah, there. I worked with Sylvan Guichard at when I was like fourteen through seventeen ish uh, through that age, fourteen through eighteen, and there's just some times where I wasn't. I was had a little bit too much attitude, and literally, if I if someone had a short ball on top of the net, and I'd guess and just run to one side, he'd kick me out of practice. Um, so it, it got really bad. I got kicked out like four days in a row and wouldn't back with USTOs and Boca Raton, but I, I definitely deserved it. I, I didn't have the best attitude with them. So that's something I regret. No, that's funny. But I guess why I asked that is because clearly, you know, you were with, uh, your peers who were all succeeding at the top of the junior level. And I'm sure you had played some pro events and there were opportunities probably to turn professional right away. Why did you ultimately make the decision to pursue, you know, playing college tennis, going to Florida? You talk about the trust you had in the coaches, but for you going to college, was that more of a tennis decision or more of a, you know, Sam Riffis off the court decision? Uh, I mean, I just saw the guys that were slightly older than me, like Tommy and Riley, that were doing incredibly well, and they were winning junior grand slams and going deep in challengers. And I didn't have that same level of success before I went to school. Um, so I just thought, if these guys, if that's the the kind of bar to turning pro and not going to school, I'm I'm not near that. So. Uh, I thought it would be best to go to a school that I trust with great coaches that I can develop, get stronger. And um, I mean, I still had a chance to play pro tennis while I'm at school. It's just I'm not fully invested in it. I also have the backup of college. So I just I kind of looked at the older kids and saw what they were doing and realized I wasn't as good as them. So why not go to college where um, I can improve on a lot of different things and then also still play pro at the same time? Yeah, sure. I'm curious, did it get competitive between the 97s, the 98s, the 99s? Uh, I mean, the 99s were nowhere near the 98s and 97s. <laughs> Those guys were incredible. It's like Francis, Tommy, Riley, Fritz. I mean, they're all top 100 now. I mean, that was incredible to be able to see. And then some of the other guys like Blumberg, who's also did really, really well. I mean, there's so many great guys in those two years to look up to. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's a fun group of young American talented players. And it's, of course, interesting that all of you guys grew up training in one place. And, you know, again, I'm curious for you, as you've come to college tennis and adjusting to the no-ad scorings uh, and all of it, what have you thought about that adjustment for you tennis-wise? How has college tennis helped you improve your game? Uh, I think college tennis has kind of forced me to be a more aggressive player because there's there's less opportunities because no ad you can get broken whereas when you're playing pros you can kind of play a couple loose points and get back to deuce and then kind of fight out of it but in college if you do some loose points and you lose a no ad point it's it kind of hurts you really badly your chances to win so i think it makes me more aggressive and it also makes me more accountable on the court Mm -hmm. was it a struggle to transition to no ad scoring uh, it was weird, definitely. My first fall playing some college tournaments, it was, it was definitely weird. I didn't, I didn't have a very good fall in my freshman year, and uh, I lost some close matches where I felt like I'd lost like literally like eight deuce games in one set, and I lose the set six four, and it's just, or I mean, or I lose like eight out of ten deuce points in a match, and the score is close, but I literally lost every big point, and 
so it's just some things like that happened early on and it's it's kind of shocking coming from playing juniors and pros Mm-hmm. And did you feel when you got back on the pro circuit after that freshman year, I don't want to say you had more time available to you because that might not be the right way to phrase it, but was it easier going back to ad scoring, having played the no ad for a season? Yeah. I mean, I felt like it's easier because uh, there's more chances to kind of save yourself and there's also chances to extend the game, which I, I personally like more because you can, kind of extend it, make it hard. And it's a little more mental and physically taxing to kind of extend the games and put the pressure on them. Whereas in college, like things can shift so much quicker with no ad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I'm curious just to stick with this freshman season. Um, you guys start off with two losses at the national indoors to SC and Stanford, but then you run the table in the SEC. You go undefeated. You go on a personal winning streak. The team's clicking on all cylinders. And then, and this is where you might swear at me, but you played one of my favorite matches of the 2019 season, that <laughs> SEC tournament semifinal against Tennessee. And I know that's a match that they ended up taking 4 3, and in particular, the match was clinched on your court and you know yes I'm I'm sure the loss sucks but what is it like to play a moment at that because as you mentioned the Florida crowds get very you know into the match and they're very sizable as well and so to have everyone turn to your court have your teammates on the sidelines everyone's focused on you you know what is that moment like and even though you came up short what do you take away from a moment like that yeah I mean that was an absolute war that that was a crazy day uh I mean, I, I think that was the only match I've played so so far where I've been the final match at three at all. Um, I mean, of course, there's huge disappointment because that was our biggest biggest fan uh, crowd of the season, and uh, Tennessee was pretty disrespectful to us the whole time, uh, especially to our fans and everything. Um, but I will say, right after that, we did beat them in NCAA's round of 16. So I would. Much oh, I was going to get there. <laughs> I would much rather have that one than the SEC tournament because we did. We like to say that if you don't, SEC conference is all that matters compared to the tournament. <laughs> it would have been nice to have both, but um, yeah, I mean that was that was a really tough one. It, I mean, it was the best atmosphere I've ever had. I played at most of the slams and everything, but that was by far one of the best atmospheres I've played on with that many people watching and the teams and everything. So that's what I wanted to ask you, because you have played the Junior Slams, and getting to play, you know, that match, that moment, or even the match against Texas where it's a sold-out crowd, you know, how special are those moments? Is that, you know, what differentiates college tennis from the professional circuit? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, the passion that fans have in college is so much greater than pros, and because most of the people that go watch pros match, they'll clap a little bit, but it's not like they're really invested in it. Whereas in college, these, I mean, Gator fans are by far the best in the country with how much they care and how into each match they get. I mean, they're going crazy the whole match. Like, it's, it's really cool to watch. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it, but for you guys in particular, when you saw the NCAA draws come out and you had the chance to host Tennessee again in the round of 16, uh, were you licking your chops to get another shot at them? And then that match, also sneaky close as well. I believe uh, you guys take the doubles point, but then things started to seesaw a little bit back and forth. Uh, it, it had to have been nice, though, to get the victory over them in the end. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have... I didn't do much to help in that moment. I got <laughs> killed in singles, and I don't even think I played doubles. Uh, 
But that was incredible from my teammates. Some of those matches, Duarte won like, what was it, like 11-9 in the third set breaker or something ridiculous. And Oliver, I think he was up a set and a break to clinch, and he twisted his ankle. And at the same exact time, Lucas Grief on six twisted his ankle and then started full body cramping. And it was craziest match I've ever been a part of. Just the turn of events that was happening and for Duarte to somehow win that match, it was pretty incredible. Yeah, because it did feel like if Duarte didn't pull that one out that it might slip away. And that's uh, it was yeah, I how much more difficult is it because you played the three all scenario and you've watched a three all scenario, which one's more difficult to go through? Oh definitely watching. I was so it's nervous. horrible. It's so so tough like when I was in it I wasn't nervous or anything I was just playing but when you're watching like every point feels like an hour like it's crazy <laughs> which begs the question now you know why coach Shelton's so skinny it's because he's sweating through everything he's just constantly <laughs> it's pouring out and so it makes all the sense but you know um you know for you guys last year you make the semifinals and you lose to a Texas team that ultimately goes on to win the event so obviously you know there's no shame in that but coming into this season it did feel like you guys, you know, you were the preseason number one, the presumptive favorites coming in. Did you let any of that get into your your guys' head? You know, was there any more maybe additional pressure you felt this second year as opposed to that first year when you guys were crazy talented but still, you know, the young up-and-comers? Yeah, I think that's one of the best things that Coach Sheldon and the coaching staff does. Um, they didn't treat anything differently. Everything was the same as the previous season. It might have even been harder how much they worked us because they didn't want it to get to our heads. Um, but they really, they stress, they couldn't stress enough. They don't care about rankings. That's why they play, have us play in Texas our first week, just so we can get those big moments so we're ready for the tournament when it comes around. They could care less about the records or anything at the beginning of the season. It's all about how you finish, and that's what they stress more than anything. So. It really it didn't feel like too much pressure for us being the number one preseason just because it's a long four five months uh, four or five months of matches and anything can happen. For you personally, after having those results at the future circuit, after making the finals of the ITA All-American, and I saw Tanner at Kalamazoo in August, and I was like, I don't know, man, I think Sam's going to go pro, and uh, what did I know? I was just trying to give him a hard time, but was there any inkling for you to turn pro in that moment, or did you always know you were going to come back for at least one more season? Uh, no, I always knew I was going to come back. Uh, to me, it's if I'm like on the edge of either turning pro or staying in college, I'll always choose college. It's only if I do really well in pros and challengers and things like that. And to me, I think it's obvious that I should go pro and try to pursue that. I think I'll do that. But if it's ever not obvious, I'll hundred percent choose college just because it's such a great place to get better um, and kind of improve your game and improve every aspect really so so why do you think that is because you've trained at the usta training center you know you know what it's like to train rigorously for professional tennis how does that training you do there compare to the training you get at florida uh it's definitely different being in a team environment and kind of being out there with i think whatever 10 or 11 guys on the court and practicing uh whereas at usta it was it was always uh two to three guys on the court with one or two coaches um, so it's definitely different, but the coaches at, at Florida do an amazing job, whereas we spend a lot of time 
with specifics where it's just me and one other guy in the morning. And then in the afternoons, we put a lot of point play and do a lot of doubles and drills like that. So I, I think it's different, but they're working, they're doing almost the same drills and everything that I did at USCA. It's not like one's completely different from the other. It's just kind of the format's a little different with having to deal with school and then having a bunch of other guys on the court. Sure. Um, all right, let's change gears here. What's the most ridiculous thing you've heard Oliver Crawford say during a match? Oh, my God. Uh, because I feel like there's got to be a list. There's there's a lot. I mean, playing doubles <laughs> with him for two years and then also being, whether I played two or three, I was always on the court next to him. So I could I could hear everything he was doing. Uh, I, I can't say a lot on the podcast. Um <laughs> He's, he's always talking though. It's hilarious. I, every time we go to the towel and we're talking to each other, he's always saying something. I mean, I can't think of something. He always says, it's me and you. It's me and you. That's all he says like to me. <laughs> it's just over and over again. He's like, let's beat these guys, me and you. Let's end them. It's just, I don't know. He's always talking. I can't, I can't think of one specific thing. No, I feel like that energy though must you know trickle over into your match. Yeah, I mean, he's like, He's incredible, his amount of energy that he brings in doubles, and then he could have a three-hour match, and he's still jumping off the walls. Like, literally, he jumps off the fence to get, like, half his balls. I don't I don't know how he does it. He's, he's incredible. <laughs> have you told him that short shorts went out in the 80s? Oh, my God. He makes our coach buy short shorts. Like, no one else on the team wants to wear them, but the coach <laughs> buys our uniform to be, like, the six-inch or seven-inch shorts and just for him. Yeah, no, it's 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 skies out, thighs out, always for all. Yeah, and then when and... like me and him, we usually pick the outfits and stuff. If I pick mm-hmm. a different pair of shorts, he'll wear the shorts for one game and then go and change in the bathroom to the short shorts. <laughs> <laughs> so he makes sure he's wearing them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That that's about as good of an Oliver Crawford story as you're gonna find. Um, but so I'm curious for you guys, you know bringing him back uh, or not bringing him back him turning pro and obviously you can understand that decision from him but you know you still bring back so much talent and I know a couple of guys transferred out but still you bring back the heart of the team if Johannes comes back that's another person you get back in the lineup you know it's obviously weird times for all of us but how will you guys approach next season how are you feeling about the prospects of Florida men's tennis I think uh, everyone's feeling great. Obviously, losing Oliver's uh, hurts because he was by far the best player on our team, and he's incredible to have in a dual match, singles and doubles. Um, but also, he was on a full scholarship, so next year I think they'll have a full scholarship available. So m- they might pick up someone new. I'm not sure. But, um, I mean, all of our guys are only going to get better. I've talked to all of them. They're all training super hard right now, and this may- some really motivated to go into next season, especially ending with a loss to Texas A&M. I know everyone's really motivated, and I think they're all going to improve a lot for next year. So I think everyone's going to only be better. Dare I say, do you think it was a good thing for you guys to lose that A&M match, have that fire in your stomach all offseason? Definitely not a good thing, no. But uh, (laughs) we're still defending SEC champs, so it's, it's all good. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm curious for you in your second year as a captain, did you see your role on the team change at all? Um, I, I know it must have been tough for guys like McLean and Alfredo when I was the captain as a freshman, but they were incredible. They they helped me out so much. Um, I mean, we're 
they they led the team. I helped lead the team. It, it's not like one me or Oliver are the only two guys that lead the team. Everyone on the team is super responsible. They all work hard. It's just we get a couple extra duties as captains. But uh, I think it stayed pretty much the same. The guys are super super respectful and everything. So it it was never a challenge. If you had your choice, would you guys always be playing in orange? Because those orange unis are pretty sick. Yeah, I mean, Tanner does a great job. He's, he designs a lot of the stuff on the, the website or whatever, and it's really cool. I think we – I mean, orange and blue, you can't beat it. It's the most beautiful colors out there. Um, <laughs> but we definitely have the coolest uniforms, I thought, out of any team. No, it, it look, look good, feel good, play good. Everyone knows that, <laughs> and I think that definitely applied. And, yeah, you know, you guys obviously had a spectacular season. I do want to ask you some rapid-fire questions uh, about your uh, team and your some of your teammates, but just to sort of put a bow on this because, again, you guys at 15-3, and three, uh, you know, I'm sure the season ending early was not something anyone enjoys, but just moving forward for Florida Tennis, for your program, do you think you guys have what it takes to – you know, come back and compete and potentially win an NCAA championship? Yeah, absolutely. I know there's a lot of really good teams out there, but I, I believe in our, all of our guys. And I know I've seen the level that they can all play. So I, I definitely believe in them. I think we, we have a great chance next year coming back and trying to take it all. Yeah, yeah. Well, we look forward to seeing, you know, hopefully we get college tennis back at some point, get to experience that. But I want to end by doing a rapid fire series of questions with you. Some will be teammate related. Some will be quarantine related. Uh, That sound good to you? Yeah, sure. All right, let's do it. Westoff, give me a rapid fire sound effect, please. All right, let's start here. Let's start with the teammates. Over your time in Florida, your two years, who has been your favorite player to practice with? Uh, Lucas Grief. Just a grinder? He, yeah, he hits a great ball. He's got a great uh, sense of humor, and we're roommates, so we get along really well together. I like it. Who's got the messiest tennis bag? The nastiest? Yeah, nastiest. Uh, uh, probably Johannes Ingelsen. Is he team and just the, the ripe bananas in the bottom? Yeah, absolutely. And I, <laughs> I mean, he just... It's just dirty as locker, everything. He's he's got <laughs> he's got some uh cleansing problems. Oh, that's fair. Uh who's the best on your team to go out with? Ooh. Everyone. They're all incredible. <laughs> I can't think of one guy. They it's it's a great team. That's fair. Do you guys do team zooms? Team zooms? Yeah, we just did one uh last week with everyone. It was it was pretty fun. Coaches get the invite? Oh, it was or uh, it was organized by the coaches. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, if you could mute one person on your team during the Zoom, because we all know the twelve-person Zoom gets crowded, who would you mute? <laughs> uh, probably Andy Andrada. <laughs> just a talker. He just talks a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that. We'll call that spot the Oliver Crawford Memorial Zoom spot moving forward because I feel like he could talk after <laughs> about as well. Um, but all right, how about who's the person? And this is not indicative of their character during matches, but it's practice. Things are getting competitive. Who's the teammate that's most likely to hook you to get under your skin? Ooh, I'm gonna have to say that's me. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I had a bad reputation for hooking in practice. The guys. <laughs> Or with me, but besides me, probably McLean Kessler. 
just yeah, he's a senior. He was gonna get under your skin. He, that makes he, sense. He calls him tight, and he he loves to play mind games. He, I think he loves playing mind games more than playing tennis. It's it's what he does best. Yeah, that's completely fair. Well, how about in quarantine for you? Any new hobbies? Uh, I just finished school, so I'm just reading books. Um, luckily, I'm practicing a lot, but no new hobbies yet. Any uh, any poor quarantine purchases? Uh, no, not yet. I've been pretty not busy yet. with school, so I haven't like really hit boredom yet. It might come in the next <laughs> week or two. <laughs> That's fair. What was it like finishing school and have to do it at home again? It was weird. I I didn't study as hard as I did at school. Definitely. Um, luckily, UF has a lot of on- online classes, so two of my classes were already online. Um, so I. I kind of understood how to do the online classes, but it was weird. I, I probably could have done better if I stayed at school. Yeah, no, that's great. You can blame your parents. Like, I actually do worse <laughs> at school when I'm with you. Uh, it would be a great conversation <laughs> to hear. Um, all right, how frequently are you going to the fridge? Oh, I'm eating, like, five solid meals a day. It's crazy. <laughs> really? Is it getting out of hand? Yeah, I've, I've gained, like, 12 pounds. It's crazy. I feel it's- like... <laughs> I feel like tennis players are underrated eaters. Yeah, I think, like, because of how much cardio we do, we just naturally eat a lot. But living in Florida, you burn it all off, so you can't really tell. Yeah, no, I can only manage. So it sounds like, and again, this is my last question. I guess it's sort of serious, but that you haven't been taking it easy. You know, how do you balance this quarantine period with, you know, staying using this time to work on your game, especially now that school's done, uh, versus, you know, maybe easing back a little bit and taking, you know, using this time off to take some time off? Yeah, I, I definitely took like a week, uh, a week or so off after the season was canceled, but there's really nothing to do. So it's, it's nice when I get to go out there and hit, it's actually been pretty fun. Whereas before you're kind of stressed out about upcoming matches or tournament or something. So it's nice to, to practice with nothing in the immediate future. I get to be pretty loose and work on anything, any technique stuff that I've wanted to change, but I haven't been able to because of matches. Yeah, well, we look forward to seeing the product of that hard work when we eventually get tennis back, whether it's you're playing futures events, playing college events, whatever it may be. Sam Riffis, thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. Uh, Good luck to you. Hope you stay safe and healthy. And again, you're welcome back on the show anytime. Thanks, Alex. Really appreciate talking to you. Yeah, of course. Take care. You too, man. Bye. Hope all of you enjoyed listening to my conversation with the University of Florida's Sam Riffis. And, of course, I know all of us college tennis fans will be happy to learn that Sam will be coming back for his junior year. Uh, of course, we're not exactly sure what college tennis is going to look like in 2021 at this point, but I can promise you it will be a better product knowing that Sam Riffis will be a part of it. So, again, huge thank you to Sam for taking the time to chat, and we look forward to seeing all of his future success both in the college tennis world and, obviously, 
philosophy after that as well. Um, we've had so many great conversations with so many fantastic college tennis athletes. You know, we've got the chance actually to speak with so many seniors about, you know, who face that difficult choice. Do I come back and, you know, take that extra year offered to me by the NCAA? Or do I go and pursue, you know, my passions elsewhere? We saw, you know, Yuya Ito of Texas, who was certainly one of, if not the best players, not just seniors, but best players in men's Division One tennis last year, say he's ready to move on. And it's not to professional tennis, but to move on elsewhere. Even, you know, Sam's teammate who would have just been a senior anyways, Oliver Crawford, he's moving on from the game. But, you know, we've got the chance to hear from people like Will Blumberg and Sarah, uh, Sarah Davitella, you haven't heard yet, but Alexa Graham, you have, and Ashley Leahy, Jada Hart, and so many more about, you know, how they're making this decision. And it's so fascinating to hear all the differing perspectives. So, you know, hopefully if you've missed any of those, be sure to go check out our Crack Interviews podcast where you can find all of those conversations. Our mini break podcast as well, where we talk to Will. We talked to ITA CEO Tim Russell, uh, NCAA's Andy Katz, and so many more about what the college tennis world is going to look like. Of course, Chris uh, Halioris, Matt Stokowiak, and I recapped the 2020 season, gave our fun awards on a Great Shot podcast from a few weeks ago. So, you know, all of you college tennis fans, we're trying to keep all of you happy because, you know, all of us missed the action in May. But of course, it's still, you know, it's always a good time to talk about college tennis. So that's what we'll continue to do here at Cracked Rackets. Of course, there's also so many other things going on in the professional tennis world right now for all of your U.S. Open conversations, your, you know, what the schedule is looking like when tennis makes its return and player relief funds and all of these different conversations. Be sure to go check out our Great Shot podcast where we've had guests like, you know, Ben Rothenberg, former ATP CEO, Mark Miles, Sports Business Journal's Brad McCormick, and so many others. Of course, the mini break for your day in, day out storyline updates. That's where you can turn to. Uh, be sure to also check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. I know our interns are up to all sorts of fun things, and they would love to have you guys check out their work too. So be on the lookout for all of that. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can find Alex Russian's uh, Hit and One series. You can find Overserve CR Classics, video interviews, and so much more. Uh, be sure to, again, a huge shout-out to our super producers, I should say, uh, Max Fligter and Daniel Westoff for the <laughs> of an any job they do day in, day out. They really are killing it, folks, from a content perspective and i promise if you enjoy these podcasts you will like our youtube channel as well so just go hit that subscribe button to guarantee that you don't miss anything uh moving forward and again you can find all of our content by going to our website crackedrackets.com a huge thank you to all of you patreon subscribers out there who continue to support us know that we've got some special patreon content headed your way soon and you know if any of you are interested in that please feel free to go check it out we appreciate all of the support you all are willing to give us we also appreciate the support of our friends at both Aerobar, the only tennis-specific energy bar option out there. You can go check that out, aerobar.com. Use our promo code CRACKED15. You can also hear more from the Aerobar guys on our weekly mini-break episodes getting to the point this week. We brought on Bjorn Fertangelo. Uh, it's a really fun conversation that I know all of you will enjoy, so be sure to go check that out. Uh, again, a huge shout-out to our friends at MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. Get 15% off all of of your tennis apparel needs. But with that being said, for, again, my wonderful guest, Sam Riffis, for our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at both Aerobar and Midwest Sports, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.